0: Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in theta and Semitic breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same.
1: Hello and welcome to our first podcast with a guest. We are super excited about it, and the topic is going to be really relevant to the world that we're experiencing right now. We have Kelly Once, who is the goddess of grief.
2: Hi guys, my name is Kelly. Um, I am a grief coach. I have been grieving for 17 years now. I lost my dad when I was 17. I lost my sister when I was 23, and then I lost my mom when I was 31. So I have gone through all the trials and tribulations that there are to go through with grief. So the last few years, I've decided to share that with everybody around.
1: That is really awesome that you are sharing it with the world. And I'm just curious, like, what what is grieving in the right way, according to your experience?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I would say grieving in the right way is different to everyone. A big part of grieving a healthy way involves looking at what your, what you go to, what your go-to is. Some people will go to food or alcohol or shopping. Um, I think you have to look at what people's coping mechanisms are and figure out if they are productive for that person. And if they're not, then you have to adjust accordingly. I don't think you really can say what is healthy for grieving because it's different to everybody. But maybe just putting it in the sense of having something that's productive for that person to move through it without self-sabotaging
1: yeah definitely and i think this is where our horses get kind of caught up into it right because people are like i am going through a really tough time and my release is the barn or my release is going to my horses and spending time with them and that is where there has to be a little bit of a healthy balance between doing your inner work and then spending time with your animals because I feel like, especially recently in my communication sessions that I've just had so many animals who are coming to me with energy stuck in certain places and they're linking it to grief. And then when we really dive into it, uh, the person will be like, oh my gosh, well, I'm going through a divorce or I just had surgery and I'm grieving an organ that I lost. And I think it's important to acknowledge also that, um, you know, grief is just not, totally about death like it it's divorce and illness and maybe grieving the way that your body used to move that it doesn't anymore and i will say like probably what i find in sessions the most is people grieving the comparison of how their bodies used to move or used to work for them and don't anymore. And they just don't recognize it as that. And it creates this whole spiral of energy.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And I feel that. I mean, when I lost my mom, when I lost my sister, okay, we'll start back then. When I lost my sister, I was 23. That was like the peak of my riding. I was riding every day. And I immediately noticed after I lost her, at that point, I didn't know how to breathe correctly. I still had bad coping mechanisms. I wasn't expressing myself. Well, I was bottling it up because I didn't want to du- it felt like I was dumping on people when I would give them, you know, how's your day? And it's like, your day is really not that great. So you just don't talk about your day. And all of those emotions stay bottled. And then when I would go ride, As I'm going through the phases of grief, it's anger and confusion and all of these things, those emotions would come out in my ride and then it would come out in my relationship with my horses to the point that at one point, um, my big mare, Annie bucked me off twice and I fractured my hip and that was it for me. That was a big wake up call of, okay, I'm projecting on you. I'm projecting my hurt. I'm projecting my anger. I'm projecting all of these things on your back. And you had every right to buck me off. I totally deserved that. And it was a very eye opening experience for me. And it completely shifted our whole relationship. And then, fast forward to two years ago when I lost my mom, when she passed, I made it a number one rule that I did not get on them. Like, I did not get on them. When I went out there, I would ground, I would just. Hang out with them. If my energy wasn't good, I would let them come to me when they were ready. Like I let the ball be in their court for a while and we took it really slow so that that didn't happen again because I felt terrible.
1: Yeah. And I think what people don't realize is that grief really is stored in our tissues, like in our fascia and in certain parts of our body. And I know you and I were kind of talking the other day a little bit from a Chinese medicine standpoint and how grief resides in the lungs. And it's just kind of eye-opening to think of it that way. If the lungs are what holds grief. And then we're sitting on their backs and compressing those lungs that are already in a low energy, like how much of an impact that actually has for our horses.
2: Oh yeah, 100%. And I'm seeing it firsthand too, because my mare a little bit has asthma. And my mom passed this week, two years ago in February, by August, she had um, pneumonia that Transitioned into chronic asthma. And for the last two years, it's been progressively getting worse no matter what I do. And I figured that out this week that it's there's nothing I can do to fix it because it's our energetic connection. And she took my grief. And even though I was very intentional with not riding and protecting, you know, keeping my energy to myself and doing my grounding practices. We still somehow got mixed up in there and I'm not really sure how, but now I have to go back and correct it.
1: I feel like Amber probably has something to say about that because she, we were talking about that the other day about how you can go in energetically and like talk to an organ and yeah, Amber, I feel like this is totally like your lane.
0: (laughs) Um, I just finished this last weekend a, we'll call it a refresher course. I got certified in Theta, which is a healing modality, um, and I did a couple different levels. And I had almost forgotten that there was actually something that like you can do about that piece of it. And so when Shaylee and I were talking about just these different clients that we have, most of them, I think, grief is what is coming up. Right now, just because we keep talking about it, yeah, um, is that there are so many links to people and their horses and these type of disruptions and imbalances, and people are like, I just don't know what to do about this piece, right? Which is where I was in my training this last weekend, being refreshed on, um, actually, yeah, and several different processes that you can go through. But like when we do experience that connection with a horse or with a person, or even with like a place, uh, you will leave soul fragments. Um, and when you reclaim those soul fragments back cleansed in the light first, and then brought back, there's a lot of these things that can be released and filled in, or there's also, you know, the cords that we have, where you take the grief out and you talk to the grief or you take the lungs out. If that's what's being affected and have that conversation in the light always in the light um what do you need you know right you know to the lungs to the grave what do you need what more do you need like why is this still here because i feel like that stuff resides in the body until the lesson that's wanting to come forward through it is addressed and then that in that piece alone can get cleared and that's kind of like what we were talking about earlier about the boundaries and why these lessons will continue to flood in and you're like what is this why does this keep happening And the value and just going head on and going okay what is the teaching in this that I need to know right now, and it doesn't amplify to the point where you have like such a chronic thing that's affecting like life in general like you know. I just feel like that's how the universe of spirit, God, whatever resonates with whoever's listening. um, I feel like that's how it works. It's still, it's still, it's still so wild to me how our stuff, you know, I don't know why it's still so wild to me, how much our stuff affects them. Like, I really am like, that was my entire premise of my book, because I don't know why more people aren't talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was my thing is I've spent the last two years thinking, oh my God, I just woke up one day and she had this asthma we've done, you know, 13 years of her living, like with, she has never had a single lameness issue. She's never colicked. And then boom, here we are. She can't breathe with anything. And I've got my vet out. We're doing IV antibiotics. And it's like, then I went the whole holistic route. Cause I was like, this isn't going to work for us long-term. And now that I'm finally figuring it out a year later, two years later, it's just like, holy cow. And I was like, did she know that she was taking this on subconsciously? Or you know what I mean? Like the energetic connection was there, but was she aware of it? Did I accidentally put it on her or did she choose to take it? Mm. I don't. It's such a confusing and it's so
0: complicated. Do you have anything to say about that, Shayla? I feel like free will is always involved at some level but then also I feel like, um, sometimes we take stuff on and we're not even aware of it. You know what I mean? Um, people, animals, beings that we're close to. So I, I have that question too. Shaylee, do you have the answers to that question? (laughs) I feel like, I feel like you're supposed to have the answer to that question. And can they like put
2: a boundary? Like, that would be a good one for people that are grieving around their animals is how do you teach your animals to put up a boundary so that we don't have this accidental exchange of something harmful?
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting because it kind of depends on the type of relationship you have with the animal and what they believe their core purpose or their soul lesson is for you. Like I talked to, a cat today who, and a bunny actually, two of them in the same household, that were gravitating towards this person who just lost her horse. And they both, the cat was saying, I need you to pet me because I want to take some of this from you. Like I am feeling very deep empathy for you. And that is what he believes his role is in her life as a protector and as a guardian of her some animals have stronger boundaries like there are certain animals that are like I'm over here and you're over there and we can co-mingle but I have a set boundary but those ones that seem to be a little bit more codependent the worriers the ones who want to do the right thing those animals typically have lesser boundaries and I encourage people to especially if we're talking in sessions and the animal is like, Hey, I'm picking up this digestive stuff and it is not mine. And I don't want it. I try to encourage people to um, acknowledge that their animal is feeling that way. And then you can set up a boundary for them. And what I usually do is I put the person in one bubble and then the animal in another bubble. And you just have this very clear, like you are not responsible for the way that I'm feeling and i i say that a lot to animals and to people like you are not responsible for the way that i'm feeling because sometimes they're just masters at empathy like they just feel deeper than in my opinion animals feel deeper than humans like ever can like they just really do they are so good at empathy um we see it all the time where animals like care for other animals um So yeah, it's different for each animal, but I would say for the most part with horses, if they start to develop an issue like that, in my experience, it's not them intentionally taking it on. Um, Cats are really subjected to taking things on. Like they are one of the animals who can understand so deeply what's going on in people's bodies like they'll talk about blood pressure medication and someone taking vitamin D I just talked to a cat recently that was like your blood pressure medication changed so your insulin changed and something I mean just all this stuff about the person And what I've found through talking with cats is that they are stuck often in the house with nowhere to go. Whereas like our dogs go outside for a little bit, the horses, we see them for an hour or two, and then they get to go off and roll and ground and do their own thing and shake things off. And, you know, we notice like cats always have kidney stuff and a bunch of different things that happen to them. And when cats get sick, I feel like almost every cat that I've talked to gets hit so freaking hard with illness, like, cause they just can't take it anymore. And there's not a lot of grounding practices. They, a lot of cats don't get to go outside. So I see it more with them, but horses, I mean, there's that energetic connection, but odds are because our healing time is often intertwined with going to the barn. That's how they absorb it.
2: Yeah, makes sense. Um, for me, as somebody who has grieved multiple times and it's everyone has been different, um, I've recently learned to be more vocal about it and to put in practices to help myself work through things in a better way. But I know I was thinking about it today that still grieving isn't like a public thing. You don't, a lot of people don't go to like a social grief group and like get it out once a week or, you know what I mean? Have that, that tie, that person that you can phone a friend and talk about. So I've noticed that for me in the past, I would come home a lot or like you said, go to the barn and our animals are our best friends. They're just like our best friends, but they're our best friends that aren't going to turn, turn away from the ugly That grief is because it's not fun. It's not pretty. It's sad. So it's like our animals are the easy ones to, as soon as we walk through the door and we fall apart, who's there? The dog or the cat. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think we need to be more aware as well that we can't really take advantage of that because it's so easy to not think about them. We just think in the moment we're just crushed. But we don't realize that when we're doing that to them every day for years, you know, some people, it takes a long time that we should be more mindful of
0: the effect it has on our animals. What are some of the ways that people can sort of like, when they become aware of maybe this is what's happening, right? Like I'm coming home and I'm like falling apart. You know, what are some of the ways that they can um, be more like? I don't want to say take responsibility for, but it kind of right. Like how can I, yeah. And manage this so that I'm not putting on everyone and, and at least being willing to be open to support, but asking, I feel like holding space for someone who's in that place, it's important to ask the person if they have the capacity to hold the space for you. Right. And we don't really do that to our animals. We just kind of like, Bleh. So Is there stuff that people can do that can support them in that piece of it so that they're not just offloading it on everything?
2: I'm a major journaler. I love journaling. So I always tell people, if you don't have somebody that is available or you're not in a support group because you're not emotionally ready for that yet, buy yourself a journal and get it in the journal because you can't hurt that journal. You can go through 200 journals and you feel better and it didn't affect anybody around you. So journaling is huge, that is the top of my list. Another one is get outside and ground. Get outside, go for a walk, see the sunshine or just get out in nature. And usually that'll kind of just calm everything and you can take your animal and do that. And then you're not putting it on them because you're out. You know what I mean? You're out in the open. I'm big on meditation, breath work. Obviously there's, there's so many good things out there right now. And there are a lot of really good support groups for grief that are forming right now. So I say for the people that are ready for that step, find a group find a group because then you have like-minded people who are right there with you ready to say, I get you. Like my day yesterday was really bad. Like everybody in that group is on the same wavelength and understands that level.
1: Yeah. I think having that support group is so important. Just being and it all goes back to the acknowledgement piece, right? Because at the end of the day, at least for animals, That's all they want. Just someone to acknowledge that they're feeling this way. They're not asking for you to make them feel better. They're not asking for you to change things. They're just saying, hey, this is how I feel. Can you can you understand it? And can you sit with me? And I feel like people are kind of like that too. Like we just want to tell people how we don't necessarily want advice when we're grieving. We just want to say like, this is how I feel. So I, I love that idea about groups and walking outside too. That is like the number one thing that animals ask for all the time that they just need to get turnout or they need to go for a walk or they need to just ground outside. Like, I feel like that's so important. Get the fresh air for everybody. Um, yeah, just, I feel like, and I don't know if you've seen this just in your work with people, but I feel like when people don't, allow that grief to come through that it can manifest as illness in their body. Like when you hold on to it, just illnesses and achiness and stuff like that happening in the body.
2: Yes, yes, yes. It's just like animals, to be completely honest. Um, When my dad passed, I was 16 and I didn't connect the dots until recently, actually this week, that all of my digestive issues that I've had for what I've considered my whole life is actually from grieving for so long because back when I was 16 years old, there's nobody who teaches you how to grieve. Like my mom didn't know how to grieve when we lost my dad. My sister was 14. Like there's no handbook out there. We never learned it in school. So naturally you go out and you do your best. And a lot of times what you're doing is just very unhealthy. And that affected my digestive system. And then when I lost my mom two years ago, I developed eczema and dermatitis and I would get like breakouts on my arm and my face. And I still have to be really careful with my stress levels because if anything throws me over the edge, I'm going to have a flare up and it's probably 80% better than what it used to be. But I am very aware of my body's internal alarm, you know, alarm when it's going to go off of you have been stressed for far too long. You're going to, you're going to break out. And it's just like, so I've seen it physically in myself. And I think that all the time of how many people are grieving and have had these health problems and they go to the doctor and they get put on a medication. And it's that's not going to do anything because it's from their sadness.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I and I feel like that there's a self-awareness piece too, where sometimes we don't even realize that we're grieving. We think Oh, and I feel like grief is so multifaceted. And like, for example, I did a breath work um, with Amber, and I talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast, but it's still affecting my life. So I'm bringing it up again. (laughs) But she did a breath work session with me. And in the breath work, I felt so weird because she was like, stand up and you're going to dance. And I got into like this, like little hypnotic trance. And I ended up um, like holding my inner child, like a little me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I love you so much. Like you're so worthy. You're awesome. And then a memory popped up after something that Amber said, where I got kicked in the head by my horse. And I, that memory has been such, a almost like a, I don't know if I would call it grief, but it is enough to where I've carried it with me for like 20 years and um amber helped me realize that i just didn't get acknowledged in the moment and there was that like love language that was missing that i just wanted someone to care and to hear me and like just knowing that and realizing that i actually had like grief for an emotional aspect that i didn't get was like huge for me like it's still impacting me
2: <laughs> yes and you know i think that's a big thing too right now why that's the reason why there's so many grief coaches and support groups that are popping up is the fact that I don't think people have ever realized until now. And I think COVID changed that too, because a lot of people lost people all at once. So it became more mainstream going through loss. But when we go through something traumatic, it, If we don't address it right then and there when it's fresh, it's going to sink into our subconscious mind and it's going to stay there forever until we're ready to like dig it up and unearth it again. And I think that's why it's such a big deal for people to take it a little bit more seriously of like, I know you think that you don't need somebody or you don't need support. But those things are going to be there forever unless you work through them and see them and shine a light on them and let them be seen so that you can work through them and release them.
0: Yeah. And I think it's so true that I really feel like you don't really get taught how to grieve. You know what I nope. mean? Especially Kids, I think, get overlooked a lot because um, I lost my dad when I was three. And I was the only one that was there when it happened. And I think it was such a traumatic experience for all of the adults around that it was easier for them to say, it's okay. She was really young. She doesn't remember. And so it never got dealt with. And it didn't get dealt with probably until, you know, several years ago when I started diving into all this other chaos that was going on in my life. So I started to dig around and, you know, kind of charge things up to be like, okay, what? else needs to be cleared why do i have such resentment i had resentment around my mom and my mom is like the most awesome woman ever and so it was just so interesting to go i don't know why i feel so um angry at her all the time and annoyed all the time you know and it was like it all sort of stemmed back to that stuff so it's like the the value in what i actually needed was just to be acknowledged that maybe that was hard for a girl to grow up her entire you know i had memories from school on father's day feeling awkward that like i'm going to have to make a present for my grandpa and people are going to ask me why and i never it was never addressed you know what i mean so it was like the only thing that I actually needed was this acknowledgement like oh wow that must have been really hard for you which never happened until i did it for myself um so it's just even that bit you know what i mean for for i think adults that are helping their kids move through you know loss of animals or loss of like in divorce or you know any of these huge lifestyle shifts that happen where the kids sort of just get left behind you know and oh they're young though they're resilient you know you hear people say that stuff all the time and it's like you're fucking with them and you better show up and support them in whatever way that you know you can figure out like we have way too much access to resources like you can google what can i do for my you know what i mean but for people to really understand that this stuff, um, is so impactful to the little ones, you know, then you're changing the trajectory of their entire lives by like not acknowledging, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. 100%. And I think that too, goes back to the fact that people don't know how to grieve. So the adults, when something happens, I mean, shit, we see it when you think about, okay, as a child, for most people what is the first loss that you remember? It's probably an animal. It's probably one of your household pets. And then what happens? One of your parents takes it to the vet and then it doesn't come home and then they either come up with a story about how they went to the farm or they just go, "Oh, she was old, sweetie." And then they just they don't even ever want to talk about it again. Why? Because it's not fun. Because if you don't know how to process grief yourself, you don't even want to talk about it with your children. So it's like, you're automatically just like walling off because of your own inability to process it. And then that affects your children. And then they pick up those same traits and then they pass it to their kids. And here we are like, you have to like, get it out and normalize it for it to go away and become normal. And it is, it's very true. It's like, it's such a simple thing. And it's such a simple conversation to be had that can change somebody's Whole upbringing in their life. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a lot of fear around death to just people not knowing what happens with life after death and not knowing how to approach it from, from that standpoint. And I totally agree that it starts at the level of a kid Like, I just have such a strong memory of my mom putting down my childhood dog. I was an adult. She lived for a long time, like 15 years. But my little brother was maybe like five or six at the time. And it was that type of scenario where he never got that closure. She lied to him and said that they were moving. And she went to a farm to live out her senior years. And he, for years, cried about her because he never got to understand what actually happened and I think it's important for people to know that especially kids and I know that animals know this and I feel that kids are so much more connected like they understand like the circle of life like my sister's kids are eight years old and they still talk about my dog who died and they're like yeah but he's pure positive energy and you can still connect with him and like I've my sister has allowed me to be so open with my nieces that it's so fucking cool because I'm like yeah he's gone but you know what energy can't be created or destroyed and when you leave you are pure positive energy whether you want to call it heaven or the universe or what and that energy is multi-dimensional and it can be accessed so if he was here with us in this like physical form we can connect with him because that energy has to go somewhere because it is not gone and i feel like there's so much power in that that like when my sister's kids talk about even just like and this is a little bit of a squirrel i always have to have one but like the food that we eat and where those animals come from there's such a disconnect like kids don't understand what is bacon what is this what is that and she's like a lot she's been very open with her kids and allowed me to like explain those like sole purposes of those animals and understanding like what that is which is a big piece in my opinion
0: yeah and I think really looking at kids as these beings that are much more tapped in than we give them credit for. I think we're just so trained to think, oh, they're just little kids and they don't know. And now getting older, and then having my kids be a little bit older, I'm like recognizing, like, you no, know, we really shut down their inner wisdom like a lot. And um, you know, and then knowing at some level, I transitioned to a definitely more conscious place as my kids got older, and and we have a lot of animals, and you know, and we just lost a really special horse that have been with my younger son, you know, his entire life from the time he literally came from home from the hospital. That was the first being he met aside from the dogs. And, um, and that transition, you know, it took a couple of days and we knew it was coming and I had prepared him and he was, allowed permission to feel all the feelings around it. You know, he got to decide whether or not he said goodbye. He got to decide whether or not he got to be there to watch the transition. It was all things that my mom was like, oh my gosh, you're not going to let him be there for that. And I was like, you know, why not? It can be, if if he feels like he's trusting himself enough to say, yeah, I would like to be there, then I'm going to let him be there for that. Um, and just putting more faith in them, letting them tap into what they need and then honoring what they need um, as little humans that have their own conscious and their own, their own like, you know, intuition, their own knowing In um, the transition for, you know, for him to go compared to what I probably would have done, what, what I did do before, which is I told my older son, his horse, I we went to put it down, I said, you know he's getting older we're going to take him to the vet you know and it was very much like and he's you know going go to go we told him what was happening but it was very it just the energy was really different around it there was no choice for him to go with us there was no choice for him to be there like i was just like there was no way i would make my kid be there for something like that but that was my belief system around the process it was i didn't want to be there for that cuz i didn't know how to handle it at that point so i would just project that right onto you know so it goes into as parents not knowing what to do or how to process it, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't know that at the time. I just thought that I was doing the best for my kid. And now looking back, it's like, well, there's, you know, you don't know what you don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So on the subject of death and dying, um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that it is like a traumatic thing, but I think it's important for people to remember that our bodies are they naturally prepare us for death. Like we quit eating, we quit drinking, we go into like a little hallucination and we like, it is such a natural process that our body knows how to do. And I think there's a lot of power in just like recognizing that. And I think it's really hard when we get our animals involved because Sometimes we have to make those choices of like you're in my care I see your quality of life is not good how long should I go and there's a reason why vets will say like if your animal is not eating or drinking there's an issue and they say that to me in my sessions too like when they stop eating and drinking they honestly do not want to be forced to continue eating and drinking like that is their body's way of saying like hey this is this is not working like I'm gonna you know ditch this old body and find a new soul here pretty soon like I don't want to be forced into it and I have one of the I, I don't think I have actually ever admitted this to myself until right now in this very moment but one of the biggest reasons why I will not do lost animals is because I have talked to several lost animals in the past cats who are sick And their people are trying to make them better and they don't want to be and they deliberately leave. And I am now realizing like, oh, man, that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't do lost animals, because some animals leave on purpose and it is kind of hard to communicate to that to that to somebody Um, But our bodies know exactly what to do, and it is important that we all understand, like, what death is and that it's not a bad process. It can actually be, like, a very beautiful process if we let it, and there's not really any fear involved. And like Kelly said, like, if you have that community around you to help you out, um, then there could be a lot of beauty in it.
2: To dovetail off of what you just said about the lost pets. I actually just had this come up for one of my pets, probably a month ago, maybe a little bit less. Um, When my mom, a month before my mom had her stroke five years ago, I had rescued this little six week old kitten from a lumber yard and I bottle fed him and he, my mom decided she was going to take him. And then literally I moved him over to her house and two weeks later she had the stroke. So all of her animals moved in my house. So he was back is like our cat. And when my mom came out of the facility and I moved her home with us to take care of her for her last few years, Petey, um, was super stressed, probably going through all of that. I'm sure he was feeling her physical pain and everything else. So he started having urinary tract problems and I had to listen to him and he wanted to transition to indoor outdoor, which totally freaked me out because we have a very busy road. And, but I trusted him and he started being indoor outdoor. And then when my mom passed, he took it really hard and he found a whole nother family and he would come home maybe once every other week and let me know that he was still around and he was okay. And I would get to see him and then he would go back with his new family fast forward to about a month ago he came home and i hadn't seen him in months and he was in really bad shape and his urinary tract problem had clearly come back and he was having all sorts of issues he was skinny he was having all sorts of physical i knew i knew he was i knew he came to say goodbye let's say that and the night before he came home i had a dream that i was out in the universe. This is going to sound crazy. I was out in the universe and I was in a line with millions of people. And it felt like I was in it on an amusement park ride line. And when you got to the end of the line, that was your time in life. Like that was your time to move on. And so I very clearly saw in this dream that we all have a place in this line. And that is, you're in line, I'm in line, Amber's in line. We don't know where our place is in line right now, but we are all actively in a line and we have an expiration date. And so the next day he came home and he was sick. And I immediately in my brain was like, I have to rush him to the vet. Like we can fix this. And then my subconscious was like, slow it down and listen to what your dream told you last night. We are all in a line. And this is his time. And he is telling you that he does not want to go to the vet. He does not want this to be prolonged. Like you just need to hold space for him. He came here to let you love on him one last time and say goodbye, not be scooped up and rushed off to a cold, crunchy vet where they're just going to pump him full of stuff. And it's not going to do anything because he was at that point. So I had to make the decision to just lay in the yard with him. And it was like a beautiful day and it was breezy and sunny and there were clouds. And we just laid there and we talked about his life. And I went through all the stories with him and mom and me when he was a kitten. And then he disappeared that night and I've never seen him again. And I was doing Reiki on him and then I couldn't feel his energy anymore. So I know he's passed, but that kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying of when he came home, I was like, I know what you're doing. Like, I know what this is. It's your time and you're coming to say goodbye. And I hope that somebody else doesn't scoop you up and rush you off to the vet because that's not what he wanted.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a hard thing for a lot of people too, because we want to fix our animals and we want to help them all the time. And, That just made me think of this chicken that I had that was like looking real bad and laying in the sun and just not looking good. And so I messaged a friend of mine and was like, oh, yeah, we have a chicken like she's nearing the end of her days. And she was like, oh, my God, put her in hot water and do this and do that. And you got to check. And I didn't want to do it, but I mentioned it to my husband and my husband had this freaking chicken in a hot water bath and was like massaging her neck and doing all these things. And she actually did. We fed her some herbs and she kind of came back to life, but she was never really right. Like I was like, man, I, I don't know. Like I didn't really feel right about it. And then two weeks later, she died like on her own. And I was like, this is what happens. Like your body knows what is going on. And yeah, you might do little things that can intervene for a little bit, but ultimately like your body knows what it needs. And that's why I'm kind of, I I talk actually with a lot of animals who are transitioning because I think it's really important for the person to acknowledge like, Hey, this is something that's happening for them. But it doesn't mean that you have to freak out and start doing all these things like just allow it to be the process and they can still be happy through that's what's amazing about animals they can find happiness and ease and flow through their sickness and illness unlike humans who have a really hard time with it but yeah such a good conversation so glad that we had you on the pod.
2: I know I know there's just so much to talk about to be honest there really is.
0: If people want to learn more about what you do or any programs you have running or anything like that, we'll stick it all in the show notes for sure. But where, yeah. um, where can they find you?
2: Um, Instagram, I am the goddess of, or yeah, the goddess of grief and then Facebook. And, um, we'll put that link for the Facebook. And then I also have the, um, grief support group called good grief. It is pretty good there's a lot of stuff in the works. There's some classes that are going to launch this spring and eventually there will be a full retreat. So that is like in the future, in the near future, but it's in the future. So there's lots of little steps, little stepping stones going into this, but yeah, there's a lot of outlets. So find me
0: on social media. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that I got to Meet you and shaley has been like, we have to have Kelly on, we have to have Kelly on. So I'm so glad that we got to chat and finally meet you in in person. Not really, but whatever this is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever this
2: is, is. isn't yeah. New age in person.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>
0: We have a really hard time ending. I keep like sometimes I expect you to be like bye. And then so like I'll pause and wait, and then you don't and then start <laughs> laughing.
2: I was watching one last night, I don't remember which one it was, and you guys were like, Well, the dogs are ending it. And it was like, Yeah, the dogs. And I was like, endings are always awkward.
0: Bye. <laughs> bye. It reminds me of um well, super bad. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Like, when McLeovin walked <laughs> in McLean, bye and he liked
2: it